So uh, why don't you stand with me and give it up for Leanne Harris. Give, not a golf clap. Come on, a real good clap. This, thanks so much for being here, Leanne. Oh, thank you. It's so wonderful to be here and celebrate your Freedom Session graduates. I never get tired of hearing the testimonies. I love to hear how God uses this ministry of Freedom Session to bring healing and freedom. And I can say in the 15 years I've directed Freedom Session, I've never had, we've never had 100% graduation. So congratulations. Well done. Well done. Well, Pastor Mike asked me to share on the parable of the unmerciful servant this morning. I believe you're doing a series on the parables that Jesus taught. And so that's what I'm going to try and do. This is actually two full sessions at Freedom Session, what I'm going to try and do in uh, a short time. And so I'm going to just give a brief overview. But even in that, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us. So we're going to begin with a reality check. And that's how we began Freedom Sessions, is always with reality checks. So we're going to do that this morning. And if the PowerPoint is working as it comes up, I want you to mentally complete these statements as I read them. I think I have a pretty good handle on the meaning of forgiveness. Yes or no? The last time I asked God to forgive me was. The last time... I forgave someone else was. And the last time I forgave myself was. Now, there's an amazing word in the Hebrew language, and it's shalom. And shalom is a greeting of wholeness, a wish to find peace with God, with myself, and with others. And there's a related biblical concept included in that word shalom, and that's reconciliation, which is the act of making peace between two parties. Now, apart from God, who do you suppose is the first and most difficult person you need to experience shalom with? The first, most difficult, and most important person I need to make peace with is myself. Because of the guilt that I carry in my heart. One of our deepest heart issues is guilt. That's an emotion that most of us will do anything to avoid facing. And this guilt drives us toward unhealthy attempts of escape. Some of them could be blaming others, rescuing, controlling, seeking comfort in food, TV, could be drugs, alcohol, burying myself in ministry, in work, or in hobbies. But when I'm at peace with myself, I don't need to do any of these things. So how do I make things right with myself? How do you make things right with yourself? Well, I'm going to tell you a story of the unmerciful servant. And this is out of Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35, and it's in the New um, International Version. Jesus was talking about our need to forgive others when Peter asked him, and he says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered and said, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So Peter does the math, 70 times seven. 490 times, right, Jesus? Wrong. 70 times seven is simply a Hebrew way of saying forever, or as often as is necessary. And everyone who was there would have understood that, what Jesus was saying. And Peter was shocked. He just said, you've got to be kidding Jesus responded with a story, and this is probably 
the most profound teaching on forgiveness in history. In verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man, and we're going to personalize personalize it, we're going to call him Bob. So a man called Bob who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, 10,000 talents is equivalent to about $10 million. So if you earn, let's say, $50,000 and not counting in your mortgage or your food or taxes and all those, it would take about 200 years to pay off that $10 million. So verse 25, since Bob was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and all his children and all that he had were to be sold to repay the debt. Bob fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything, which of course was absolutely impossible. There was no way he could pay that debt. Basically, he was saying, be patient with me, and in two or 300 years, I'll pay that back. Now, how do you run up a debt of $10 million in a society that doesn't have credit cards? Now, I just want to ask you a couple questions, and I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes just for a minute as I ask these questions. What comes to your mind when I say the word failure or regret? What kind of debts are you carrying this morning? And how are you ever going to pay it back? You can look look up. You're not going to pay it back. It's impossible. So before we go any further, I just want to touch on two kinds of guilt. The problem is they both feel exactly the same. The first is lie-based guilt, which occurs when someone rejects, abuses, abandons me, and I feel guilty even though I'm not responsible for what happened. And in Freedom Session, we deal with lie-based guilt by exposing the guilt and the lie behind it as we write out what happened and how deeply it affected us in our mirror inventory. And that's step four. But what about truth-based guilt? Well, truth-based guilt occurs when I know I've done something wrong that I cannot make right. And even if I never do it again, I carry that guilt deep within my heart because I have no way of getting rid of it. I carried truth-based guilt for years because I didn't know how to handle it. And so do many of you. So we bury it. But it's there just the same. You and I carry a $10 million debt in our hearts that we can never pay for, never legitimately blame on someone else or chalk it up to circumstances beyond our control. There are offenses in my heart and in my relationships I'm 100% responsible for, even if they were provoked by the misdeeds of others. I feel truth-based guilt, and there's nothing on earth that can remove that except perhaps what happened in the story that I was reading earlier. Let's look at God's answer to truth-based guilt. He only has one because there is only one. Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Isn't that amazing? God's answer to truth-based guilt is forgiveness. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. He's forgiven us our debts, our mistakes, our sins. He forgives them, cancels the debt, and lets us go free. God's answer to our unpayable debt, our $10 million debt, is forgiveness. Now let's look at the rest of the story. Verse 27, Bob's master took pity on him, servants, and we're going to name him Jimmy this morning, who owed him 100 denarii, and that's about a day's wage, let's say $200. Bob grabbed Jimmy and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, Bob demanded. Jimmy fell to his knees and begged him with the very same words that Bob used with the king. 
just be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. Now, the irony in this is Jimmy actually could pay him back. But Bob, after just have been given forgiven a million or $10 million, he refuses. Instead, he went off and had Jimmy thrown into prison until he could pay the whole debt. Now, why in the world would anyone do that? So let's bring the numbers a little closer to home. Let's say that you had a debt of $500,000, and I, in a weak moment, I agreed to pay that off for you. What would possess you to go to someone who owed you $20 and start choking him when he couldn't pay you back? And yet, we do this all the time. It seems unfathomable, but we do this all the time. Why did Bob the man in Jesus' story do it? And this is the reason I want you to listen carefully. Bob went after Jimmy because he never received the king's forgiveness. Here's a man who was forgiven $10 million, and he never received a single dollar of it. That's why Bob was going out to get the money to pay the king back. And that's exactly why we go after people who tick us off or hurt us deeply. That's why we don't forgive others and offer grace when we've been wronged. It's because we have not received God's forgiveness or his grace. And as a result, our hearts become bitter. And we continue to take things out on the people around us, our spouses and our children, our bosses and our pastor and our churches. And it's all for nothing because our debt has been paid in full. So how do we receive God's forgiveness? Well, there's a few prerequisites to receiving God's forgiveness. The first is... Receiving forgiveness is always preceded by confession. Why did the king forgive Bob's $10 million? He wasn't a fool. He knew Bob couldn't pay him back. The king was moved by compassion, the Bible says. Bob wasn't even asking for forgiveness, and he didn't even appear to be really that sorry. But he did acknowledge and confess his sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, Confess your sins, and I am faithful and just to forgive your sins. And cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is what God wants from us. And in an honest confession, there's no excuses. Doesn't matter what other people did. Doesn't matter if my sin isn't bad as, as bad as yours. Doesn't matter if I didn't really mean it. Doesn't matter if I was abandoned as a kid. I did this and it was wrong and I'm responsible for my actions. And I owe that ten million dollar debt and I have no way of paying it back. And, you know, we don't want to accept truth-based guilt because we don't know what to do with it. But this is what God wants us to do with it. Face it, own it, and confess it. Secondly, receiving forgiveness assumes I'm truly sorry and ready to turn from my sins. I can't, with integrity, ask God to forgive my sins that I intend to keep doing. Now, God is not looking for perfection. What he is looking for is an honest surrender. And now we come to the most important part and final prerequisite to receiving forgiveness. It requires that I become willing to forgive myself. And we heard this in the testimony. Sometimes the hardest thing is to forgive ourselves. And we hear that. Why is it so hard? Often our pride's in the way. I don't want to pay my own way or somehow I have to prove I don't really need someone else to pay my debt. But my debt still needs to be paid. And it's either Jesus or I who are going to pay it. And if I'm going to forgive myself, I need to let Jesus pay. And I need to stop paying, trying to pay. I need to come to the place where I no longer hold this offense against me and allow 
it to hold me back from pursuing God's will and leading in my life. And you know what forgiveness also means? It means that the innocent party pays the greatest price. In the story Jesus told, Bob's master paid the greatest price. In our story, Jesus pays. So do we generally feel like forgiving? No, I don't like to face my need for forgiveness. So why do I do it? I do it because Jesus forgave me and because he already paid the price for my sin and he wants me to forgive myself. He wants you to forgive yourself. Also, forgiveness is always motivated by compassion. The king was moved by compassion and he erased Bob's debt and let him go. I need compassion too. You need compassion too. We need to stop trying to pay for our sins and our debts. So here's some thoughts to consider. If I forgive myself, Jesus pays the price for my sins. He had to pay because I couldn't. And Jesus can and he did. My debt is paid in full. If I forgive someone else, both Jesus and I will have to pay. And that's when our heart screams out, but it's not fair. And we're right. Forgiveness is not fair. It's undeserved. It's unearned. And lack of fairness is one of our strongest arguments for not forgiving. Forgiveness is never fair. That's why it's so necessary. If it was fair, the people who hurt you could pay you back, but they can't. So I pay the price of what has happened to me, whether or not I choose to forgive. My only choice is whether I'm going to pay it in bitterness or I'm going to pay it in freedom. And if I choose to blame my present unhappiness and dysfunctions and situations in my life on my past, I'm going to forever pay in bitterness. You know, people who walk in freedom aren't those who have been hurt less deeply. They are those who have chosen to face their pain, invite Jesus into their pain, and forgive. Now let's talk about the other half of the story of Bob and Jimmy. This is in verse 29. And Jimmy fell to his knees and begged Bob, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But Bob refused. Instead, he went off and had Jimmy thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called Bob in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to tortured until he could pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. I love to hear how God in heaven wants to forgive me. What I don't want to hear is my ongoing experience of God's forgiveness is dependent on my willingness to also forgive others. God doesn't want me to pay him back. For his forgiveness, rather he wants me to forgive others just as he for, has forgiven me. So do we really need to forgive? Well, many would say it depends if the other person's sorry. Or some things are just unforgivable. Or some people just, we are the ones enslaved in chains. Not those who hurt us. Often those who hurt us aren't even thinking about us. And they don't even remember sometimes how they hurt us or even know. Forgiveness breaks the chains that keep me bound to the memories and the people who have hurt me and the bitterness that overshadows my life today. So the real question this morning is not whether I need to forgive others, but whether I want to follow Jesus. How badly do you want to follow Jesus? Jesus never said, say the sinner's prayer. What he did say was, follow me. 
And what's so amazing about that statement is, is where he was going. He was going to the cross. If I do want to truly follow him, this is important. I must realize eventually I'm going to end up at the cross, and it's there I'm going to have to decide if I'm going to forgive others just as he has forgiven me. So what happens if I choose not to forgive? If I do not forgive others, this parable says, I will experience the anger of God. Now, in this story Jesus told, the master who represents God was not angry about God's, or Bob's failures and debts and sins. For those, the Bible says he was moved with compassion and mercy. It was Bob's unwillingness to forgive Jimmy that caused the master's anger. So according to Jesus' story, if I do not forgive others, God will turn or hand me over to the jailer. And there's some translations that say the torturer. And you know, the jailer is Satan. And as long as we remain chained with bitterness towards those who have hurt us, Satan retains his authority in our lives to frustrate and destroy everything that we hold dear to us. So how do we get out of Satan's prison? Verse 34, it says, In anger the king turned Bob over to the jailer to be tortured until he could pay back what he owes. And when God turns someone over to the torment of Satan, he's not giving over your eternal destiny. The word turnover actually means, in this verse, it means for safekeeping. In other words, if I choose not to forgive, God allows Satan to torment me because I've allowed him to. I've opened myself up to Satan's attacks, but it doesn't mean God doesn't love me anymore. So what does it take to get out of jail? What do you think it takes of others? We used to call it, Removing the un from the willing. We used to call this session unwilling and taking the un away. It's a willingness. We can't do this in our own strength. God did not want or expect Bob to pay up. He wanted Bob to forgive just as he had been forgiven. So what happens when I do forgive? Well, when I do forgive and release my bitterness, Satan's authority in my life is broken. And Jesus Christ can heal my heart He can reinterpret my memories, and I can be led by the Spirit of God instead of the Spirit of bitterness. It's my bitterness, actually, that gives Satan legal authority to stay, to influence, and to control. So will forgiving these people hurt? Yes, it'll hurt. But when I do forgive, I receive one of the greatest gifts that God gives me, the beautiful gift of sadness. Sadness, not bitterness, is the appropriate emotion which to recall and process the painful memories in my life. Sadness is a gift. It won't control me. It won't destroy me. And sadness allows me to step out of denial and face the truth of what really happened without having to hate others. It gives me another emotional option. Sadness also allows me to cry. It allows me to say something happened that shouldn't have happened. And you know, part of receiving healing is allowing ourselves to feel the pain. Um, You'll hear in Freedom Session, the only way through the pain is through the pain. But we need to process the pain. And some of you have never taken, has never given yourself the opportunity to cry over the things and the sins that have been committed against you. That's part of the process. Sadness gives me a sense of regret and reminds me not to set myself up to be hurt by the same person. You know, forgiveness and trust are two totally different issues. And that's a whole other teaching. Um, 
but it's around boundaries and proven track records. You know, in the Bible, Jesus said, even said that he didn't entrust himself to all men because he knew it was in their hearts. So what are the prerequisites to forgiving others? First, I need to confess unforgiveness is wrong. We could even say it's sin. I confess I have a spirit of bitterness and I have not forgiven others as God has forgiven me. Secondly, I need to understand what forgiveness means. It's similar to forgiving ourselves. Forgive, forgiveness isn't forgetting. We don't, can't always forget how we've been wounded. It's choosing not to bring back to mind the offense. Forgiveness is a choice. It's an act of our will. No one ever feels like forgiving. If we have bitterness toward anyone, it means we don't want to forgive. But we can actually forgive people that we don't want to forgive. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another person's sin or behavior. You know, the truth is we live with them anyway. Forgiveness is deciding I'm willing to pay the price. Yes, I was wounded. The innocent party pays the greatest price. It's giving up my perceived right to hold that over their head for the rest of their life or hold it over someone who reminds me of them. It's giving up my perceived right to blame that person for my unhappiness. Forgiveness also is between God and me. My offender plays no role whatsoever. And perhaps you wonder, who deals with a person who hurt you? Well, God does. Forgiving someone doesn't let them get away with it. God holds them accountable. You and I just are not qualified to do that. And this is the big one. Forgiveness needs to come from the heart. It's okay to pour out all your anger, all your hurt when you forgive others. God knows it's there. He wants you to pour it out to him, not to the people who have hurt you. And all that pain and all that hatred is left at the cross. And if we can't forgive from the heart, God can't heal our damaged emotions. You know, so often we forgive too soon, and we end up with head-level forgiveness because we haven't taken the time to process the hurt, process the pain. Now I'll tell you what God does with all that bitterness, and we'll call it sin. He takes all that hatred and transports it back in time and nails it to the cross upon which his son, Jesus Christ, paid for those sins. And he died only once, and he already has paid for every sin that we have committed. He's already paid for every sin that will be committed against us. But hear this. His payment for our sin is not applied to our account until we confess it. And healing won't take effect until we forgive others who have sinned against us, just as Christ has forgiven us and them. And finally, the last step to forgiveness is to thank God for the freedom you're going to experience, as we've heard this morning, and practice forgiveness as a lifestyle to maintain your freedom. Most of us should be forgiving people daily. Does forgiveness work? Oh, yes, forgiveness works. It works. And it doesn't matter how deeply you've been wounded. In fact, the deeper you've been wounded, the more freedom you're going to experience. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. And your Holy Spirit comes to empower us to walk forward and take steps of action by faith. And we thank you, Lord, that we want to be people that hear the word of truth and then we turn around and walk in it. 
show us the truth today and tomorrow see us do it. Lord, I just thank you for every person here, and I thank you for the graduates today that have taken this step of looking deep into their hearts and exposing those things, the guilt and the things that keep us, hold us back from being in intimate communion with you and fulfilling the purposes for which we were created. So, Lord, I just pray a special blessing upon them today as they receive their certificate. May they continue to walk with those tools that they've learned, that they've been taught. And may they experience more freedom day to day as they journey with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, what's going to happen in a few minutes is we're going to call the grads up one at a time. They're going to stand in a row and get their certificate. And I'm uh, going to ask Becky to help me in just a minute. And I'm also going to invite Floralith to wheel herself up here. And maybe she could be on the far end, and that's we'll have a line of people here. But I, I actually have a, um, I have a confession to make. Um, and maybe you're like me, but this week, I mean, maybe more than one thing happened, but I'm thinking about one thing. I don't know what about you, but when Leanne was speaking, there's a situation that happened to me this week. Uh, there's a person that came to mind that I need to forgive. Just, I'm, I'm the confessor here. I'm, I'm laying out my laundry to you. It's not, you know, the most dirty laundry, but it's bad enough. This person, I was, I was very hurt. I was, you know, what happens with guys especially is that we get angry and we don't acknowledge it as hurt. We just get angry. And, and we, you know, if you just go a little deeper below the surface, there's hurt there. And so this person, in fact, you know, you know how awful I am? I just want to tell you what happened this week. I knew in my spirit I needed to forgive that person. And I didn't actually refuse. You know, I didn't say, no, God, I'm not going to. But it was like, well, I, I know. And then I just walked along and carried on. I didn't do it. And I, frankly, I'm smiling when I say this because I don't know. But maybe you can identify with that. Maybe something happened to you this week or last week. And this teaching came about and you thought of a person that you need to forgive. And you thought, you know, I'll just, sure, whatever. Just carry on and listen to the rest. And, oh, whew, Leanne prayed a prayer that ended this whole thing. And now I can just carry on and have cake in a few minutes. Uh-uh. If there's someone in your life that came to mind during that talk, I would like you to deal with business right now. I'm going to do it in front of you. I'm not going to name the name because some of you might recognize the name. So I'm going to use the word I was going to use a silly one. Maybe I won't use any word because I can't think of one now that's not silly. I don't want to make it silly. But if you're like me and need to do something right now about that message, I'd like you to identify with this prayer. 
all right? This is a little bit like what happens in Freedom Session. You know, you, you want to just go, okay, well, that's fine. I, yeah, good sermon, good talk. Yeah, I agree with that. In fact, I agree with Jesus. Isn't that big of me? But I need to obey, not just agree with Jesus. So I'm going to pray a prayer about my situation that probably you can identify with if you're like me and something happened that you need to forgive a person this week. All right? So uh, if, if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. But I'm just going to go ahead and deal with business right now. Okay? So Heavenly Father, first of all, I, I want to repent of my decision to put off this forgiveness, which actually is a need for you to forgive me because that's a sin. That's wrong for me to be in unforgiveness. And the situation was very irritating, and I was so angry. And the problem is that, Lord, it was, it was something that I was hurt by, and instead of dealing with it, I just sort of just forgot about it which is like stuffing. And uh, sooner or later, if enough of that goes on, I know that if I'm squeezed, a lot of bitterness will come out. So, Lord, first of all, I ask for your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness freely given to me on the cross. And there's no way I can forgive this person in my own strength. I just don't feel strong enough to do that. But, Lord, I, I receive your forgiveness in my life And I thank you that I can stand here, even in front of these sisters and brothers and and friends of mine, and I I can confess that I am forgiven, that I am free of this unforgiveness in my spirit, and I don't have to walk in bitterness anymore, and I'm so grateful for that. And now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, because of your grace to me, I I can truly forgive this person. And in fact, I believe it's unforgivable and he should have known better. But actually, I can identify with that too because I've done that so many times. Things I've known better and still just gone ahead and done it anyway. And uh, this person, Lord, I pray for them. I release them. I forgive them. I pray that you will bless them. And in the name of Jesus, I declare they don't owe me anything because you have paid the price for their sin too. So Lord, I thank you for that person. I know that I know that you are totally able to deal with them. And I pray Lord that uh, that you will do that and have mercy upon them, have compassion on them. Let them walk in freedom as well. In Jesus name. Amen.